Well, hey, grab your Bibles. Join me in Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Glad you're with us today. If uh, you want to follow digitally, I think there's a QR code popping up on the screen. You can scan with your phone, take you to a spot on our central hub where not only you can see the scriptures and the notes, you actually could type in your own notes. And then at the bottom of the page, there's a place where you can email them to yourself. So you can have them, review them later this week and sit and be reminded of what the Lord is speaking to you. We've been as a church walking through the book of Acts. And as we've walked through the book of Acts, what we've been looking for is what was the radiant church looking like? What did they experience? What did they do? What did they prioritize? Uh, what, what were they about? And so we're seeing this idea of what does the radiant people of God look like at its beginning, at its infancy, so that we can look for those same principles and we too can become the radiant people of God and a radiant church. And we find ourselves today in Acts 13. I'm going to read four verses this morning and then we'll get going. It says this, starting in verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria, where Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, and Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day... As these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their journey. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Can we pray? Jesus, these are words uh, that your spirit has inspired for us today. And so, Lord, may we examine them as we examine our own hearts and lives. May your word be a mirror that helps us see the reflection of the reality of what's going on in our own inner world, of our own love, of our own loyalty, so that our allegiance to you may grow stronger and more pure than ever before. We ask this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, showing us what love looks like, in the name of the Holy Spirit who's with us forever, and all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk a little bit today about some of the things, the makeup of how the church not only started, but how it was spread, and some of the important components of the early church, of this radiant church, so that we can see the examples and learn from them, not only corporately as a body, but also individually in our own personal consecration and surrender to Jesus as Lord in our own lives. And the first thing I want you to see from this kind of introduction uh, sentence, if you will, of, of, of chapter 13, because all through chapter 13 and chapter 14 into chapter 15, you see a, a history, a chronicling of the apostle Paul who at this time is still just referred to as Saul, Saul and Barnabas, as they get sent out on a missionary journey. They, we, we know uh, from the scriptures that the Apostle Paul went on three distinct missionary journeys. These weren't short trips. These were long years of trips, uh, of doing ministry, of taking the gospel and presenting the, the kingdom of God and bringing Jesus um, to those places and allowing the Spirit to transform lives. And one of the things that, that you see is that the Holy Spirit sent out them on assignment. And the Holy Spirit sends us out on assignment. Did you know that there is an assignment and a purpose on your life? And I'm going to say this in two kind of distinct ways. Number one, that there is a universal assignment on the life of every radiant follower of Jesus who holds true to the life of God. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, there is a universal assignment that the Holy Spirit sends you and I on. Here's what that assignment's called. It's called be an ambassador. That's the universal assignment for every believer. Every person, regardless of age, Regardless of stage of life, regardless of uh, where you find yourself, no matter your location, your nationality, 
Every believer is sent out by the Holy Spirit to be an ambassador, presenting the kingdom of God and representing the nation of heaven on this earth. To bring the life of Jesus into a lived way that helps people see we're called to be an ambassador. But there is a specific, or should I say, a unique assignment on your life. Your unique assignment probably is different than my unique assignment. And here is the unique assignment in broad terms. Here's what your unique assignment. If you try to figure out what's my purpose, what's my assignment, what's my calling in life, what, what am I supposed to do with myself? Maybe you're at a place where you're, you're re-guessing, you're trying to reevaluate. am I in the right path, am I doing the right career, am I on the right journey, is this what I'm supposed to do? Here's, what, here's the filter for us in identifying our unique assignment. Here you go, are you ready? It's to steward the gifts and the opportunities that God has given you. That's your unique assignment. What are the gifts, the abilities, the skills God has hardwired inside of you? And what are the opportunities that he's bringing across your path that allow you to exercise those? I think often we make figuring out what we're supposed to do with our life way too complicated. As if God could only have one singular job for us for our entire life because he's too small to think bigger than that. I think we, we find ourselves crippled by options because we're not sure, well, maybe I'm supposed to do this or maybe I'm supposed to do this. And, and when we go from one thing to the next thing, we feel like we have failed somehow. But, but, but what if we're actually just in a process of discovering somehow? And I think we need to take a deep breath and realize that God wants you to walk in his plan for your life more than you want to walk in your plan, his plan for your life. And I think that we need to understand that it is the Holy Spirit who is sending us out on assignment. And that assignment is not only universal to be an ambassador, but it is unique in the sense that God is asking you to steward certain skills that are unique to you. Other people might have similar skills. Those are theirs to steward. Yours to steward are the ones he's given to you. And there are opportunities that you have that I don't have opportunities other people have that you don't have and we're not called to steward someone else's opportunities we're called to steward our opportunities and to set those before us and and I think at the end of the day if we can find ourselves taking steps to steward the passions the skills the abilities in the context of the opportunities that are available to us, we will find ourselves walking in a fulfilled life, honoring God, because we're not doing it for us, we're doing it as unto Lord with an open-handed stewardship of the skills and the abilities God has for us. And the other side of this equation, if I'm going to be really, really honest, many of us have a hard time discerning and discovering and deciding what we should do with our lives because we are not in intimate relationship with the author of our lives. And when we begin to understand that the Holy Spirit has been given to us, you will begin to see that the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit is like the ultimate cheat code for your life. It's like the ultimate, I can't say, like I'm really not smart enough to figure out my life, but I'm just smart enough to know that if I will listen to the Holy Spirit and obey whatever the heck he says to do, I'll be all right in the end. And so what we don't do is we try to figure out for ourselves what we should do instead of learning how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The greatest skill, mom and dad, you could teach your kids is to how to hear the voice of God for themselves, which, which, which means... Uh, you have to develop the skill how to hear the voice of God yourself too. Because it's the Holy Spirit who sends us out on assignment. I remember um, very clearly, uh, it was towards the end of 2017, we had been here uh, for almost a year now. And uh, the, it was coming into the fall season. Um, this, this, this week, uh, we kind of have hit the seven-year anniversary of our family being here and leading in this church. It was November 1st was like our first official day. 
um, employed here at, at Faith Church. And uh, so this week has been a bit of a reminiscence for me. I've kind of just spent some time reflecting. And I remember about a year into this, this assignment from the Holy Spirit on our lives, I remember sitting down outside in our, in our yard looking at the trees that were just blowing and waving and the, the trees were changing colors. And I remember uh, two things. One, I remember the Lord reminding me of a word that I heard a long time ago. It wasn't something for me, but it was in a message somebody preached. And, and they just made a statement that if you want a forest of trees, you have to start planting seeds. That forest and trees didn't just show up because trees showed up. It was somebody planted a seed and waited a long time for them to grow into trees. And that's kind of been a metaphor for my own life in ministry. In other words, that there's an assignment on my life of planting seeds, and it might take a long time to see the tree grow. But once the tree grows, they're planted by rivers of living water, which bear fruit in every season. And it's, a long, it's just long obedience in the same direction for my life. It's something for me. It's something that I have to hold, hold on to. But I remember the second thing that happened was it was like this time lapse of my life from when I was a young child all the way up to this moment in 2017 where I just saw different jobs and uh, um, responsibilities and tasks and skills that I had learned and developed and things that I didn't think were a part of my life but I saw God bring into my life and like this huge time lapse of time. Have you ever had that moment where it's like everything like flashed in an instant in your imagination where like you remember everything just like going through it all? And I remember the Holy Spirit speak to me and said, everything in your life has been steps of preparation to cultivate what was necessary for this assignment. I was in my late 30s and hitting the assignment God had for my life. Actually, it was just the next main assignment God had for my life. But there's a culmination of steps of stewardship and surrender that were cultivated and developed in me for this particular assignment that God has for me. The Holy Spirit is at work to cultivate the skills necessary in your life now, but also for what is to come in your life as well. And there is a unique assignment on your life, a purpose from heaven, and it is a redemptive purpose to steward the gifts and opportunities that God has get, given to you. What I love in this passage is that you see that there were certain uniquenesses to, to uh, Barnabas and certain uniquenesses to Saul, who would then become Paul. And the reason he changed his name is simply because Paul is the same name as Saul, but Saul is Hebrew and Paul is Greek. And they were going to Greek-speaking places, so he went by the Greek name. It would be like if I moved to a Hispanic-speaking or a Spanish-speaking nation, I would, instead of go by Matthew, I would go by Mateo. Why? Because it's the same name in a different language. That's all it was, Saul. In fact, you read later on in 13, it's like half of a sentence. Saul, also called Paul, was there. And from there on in the book of Acts, he's known as Paul. Like, this is just a little sideline. And it was a really practical thing. It was one of the unique realities that God had done. There was something in Saul and Paul and Barnabas that the Holy Spirit was doing. But what I love is that here they were in Antioch seeking the Lord. They weren't seeking the Lord for an answer. They were just seeking the Lord. And in the midst of seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit says, As a body, I want you to send out Saul and Barnabas for my special work. I think it's the spirit that sends us, but please don't miss this. It's others who are mature believers who help confirm that assignment and then send us out on assignment. In other words, if you're not being surrounded by other mature believers in your life, you are in a hard place trying to discern what the Holy Spirit might be doing in your life. Because you're living in isolation and in a multitude of counsel, Scripture says, is much wisdom. And we miss out on what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us because we're only listening from our perspective and we don't have the people around us. I remember being sent out from North Carolina New Hope Worship Center to come here. In fact, we've got, I found this picture um, as I was cleaning out pictures on my phone recently. This is a picture of the staff and the council members and some key leaders of our church in North Carolina you can't see Amber or I in there, but we're both like bent over sobbing in this moment. Uh, but what you see is a multitude of spirit-filled believers 
praying over us as they were sending us out on our last Sunday before we moved here. This is a picture of what the Radiant Church does. We seek the Lord together and recognize there's things that as a congregation we all do. But then there's a recognition of the spiritual people in your life to see that there's an assignment that is unique to you and they confirm it and they hear from heaven with you and they pray for you and then they send you out on mission. Paul and Barnabas were sent on mission. Where did Paul and Barnabas go? Well, let me show you this map to kind of give you a visual understanding of where Paul and Barnabas went. They, they left from Antioch, and they went to the, to the Cyprus Islands. Then from there, they sailed to Pamphylia. Then they went to Iconium, then Lystra, then Derby. And then after a period of time, they left Derby and retraced their steps all the way back again, back to the land, uh, to, to, to Antioch there in that space. And you can kind of see some of the highlights of this, where what happened in some of these places. And these are just taken straight out of the text in Acts 13 and 14 and some of verse of chapter 15, where you begin to see some of the timeline and where he went on this first missionary journey. Now you can leave that picture up there for just a minute. And in each of these places, you know what happened when they were sent out on this assignment. Here's kind of what happened. They showed up and they preached the power of God. They saw the power of the Spirit on display in miraculous, amazing ways. Then crowds began to gather. Both Jew and Greek people started showing up, wanting to follow Jesus. Disciples were made through the scriptures and the teachings of those scriptures. They begin to uh, instill practices that produced a countercultural formation into the ways of Jesus and away from the methods of their culture as they confronted idols from that region. And then there were some religious people who didn't like what they were seeing and rose up in antagonism. But Paul and Barnabas refused to get bitter and filled with resentment. They shook the dust off their feet and moved on to the next assignment after... They had established and placed elders and leaders in that place to lead and steward and shepherd and care for those converts who were being discipled into the way of Jesus. So, so what do we see? If you, if you read Acts 13 and 14 and 15 this week, if you haven't read it, go back and read it. What you're going to see is this, this is the same pattern. They preached Jesus and saw power. Crowds were gathered of Jew and Greek. Disciples were being made. Some people didn't like it and they got offended by it, but they stuck to it. And eventually elders and leaders were put in place to oversee that group of believers and their spiritual growth. And then they moved on to the next city and the next stop on their assignment. It was an assignment of movement. Ultimately, here's what happened in all of these places. Paul and Barnabas established radiant communities of disciples don't miss this that were led by other people who had gifts and had godly character who had given their hearts and their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ this is what we see in Acts 14 look at verse 23 it kind of hits a summary here it says Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting they turned the elders over. I, this is an interesting phrase to me. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. In other words, they were like, well, Godspeed, buddy. You're all, you and God now, pal. Have fun. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be held accountable for everything that you teach and preach, so you might want to make sure you're doing it right. And off they went. Right here's... What they did, listen, I don't want us to miss this lesson from the early church, and that's simply this, that the radiant church embraces a structure of healthy, spirit-empowered leadership and oversight. We get real, like, kind of just teachy for just a minute. All through the missions of what Paul and Barnabas did, this is when they started a work and there was a church, a, a gathering of God's people. They stayed there as the leaders, nurturing, training, equipping, seeing life be formed, discipled into the ways of Jesus in a countercultural formation that occurred. They established these structures. This wasn't a new concept. Eldership 
was a normal comment. It was like uh, in many Jewish cultures and in even Greek cultures, there were elders in a community. The elders were just kind of like the governing body of sages and with experience, uh, even in a political sense, to help navigate a community to move it forward and not get stuck in the rut and burdened down with troubles. They, they were there to help move a local group of people forward. And so they're just kind of borrowing this idea. This was a Jewish idea. It was from the very Old Testament even, born into this. And they were like, here's the deal. Let's gather a group of qualified overseers and let's trust them to hear and to navigate our community forward. This was the structure in the day. And this was the structure that they were establishing here in all of these places, in all of these churches. It was this very way. Now, when I talk about church structure, some of you like come from experience where like this is all brand new to you and you're like, I don't understand. Okay, cool. So I guess there's this guy called a pastor who runs stuff. Awesome. What else is there? Some of you have come from other, other uh, denominations where it's much more structured, much more um, even ritualistic, much more kind of heavy oversight where there are certain people in higher up places from a distant land who send down even what you're supposed to preach what homily you read and what liturgy you go through and, and they kind of dictate what is being taught in all of the churches across the land and we've all come from a variety of places and some of us have come from very healthy places and some of us have come from very painful places and some of us have come from places where our own personal perspective is to reject anything that looks like structure and authority. Friends, can I just help us with something? Can I just help us navigate in something? There is always a human element to seeing God's work accomplished in the world, and there is always a Holy Spirit element to seeing the work of God accomplished in the world. Always. Always. And when we talk about the human element, I will be the first to tell you, it's like human, human. <laughs> like, like human, like, like you normal? Yeah, like it's, it's a human element. Paul and Silas, that, just because there's an assignment on our lives doesn't mean that, that we become divine in an assignment on our lives. The only element of divinity to church leadership and structure is the fact that the Holy Spirit is present. And this is why I say that the radiant church is always one that is healthy and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Healthy meaning that, that any denomination, any church structure, any governance set up around a congregation and a community of faith. <laughs> um, take the church out of it. Any community established with leadership will only be as healthy as its leaders and overseers are healthy. And I would add inspired by the Holy Spirit if they're going to see anything transformative that aligns with the kingdom of God. So when we come to this understanding of the radiant church, there was a structure that was in place. And there were, there were leaders established based on some gifting, some assignments, some, some recognition that God was doing something unique, just like God was doing something unique in the life of, of Paul and the, the life of Barnabas and uh, the others, elders were there. There's a plurality of that there. In fact, we see this later on in action in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15. Let's take a look at how this leadership was uh, even interacting and coming to play in this place. In Acts chapter 15, we'll start in verse 1. It says this, at this point in time, Paul and Barnabas had finished their long missionary journey, and they were back in Antioch at this point. Acts 15, starting in verse 1, says this, while Paul and Barnabas were at were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised, they said, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk 
to the apostles and elders about this question. Pause. Why? I love this for a couple reasons. One, instead of just assuming the worst about the Jews in Jerusalem, they went to understand what was being said. Did this guy come because they sent us to tell us this? Because there was some misunderstanding and it was causing some tension. Can I ask you a question? When there's tension in relationships in your life, do you just bail and assume the worst? Or do you go to the source and ask to understand better. In church, there's going to be things that you're not going to understand in any church environment. Do you go to them to ask for understanding or do you just assume the worst in a misunderstood way and try to navigate away in that way? That's how division and deception grows. It's dangerous. Friends, if there's something you don't understand, Seek to understand. Don't live in an assumption of misunderstanding. This is what it means to be the radiant people who've got together. And this is what they modeled. I love it. They went and they asked some questions to understand. So finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to come with some believers. It goes on to say this. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. And they told those believers, uh, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, these Greeks, these pagans, were too being converted as followers of Jesus. And then when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders in that in that space. They reported everything God had done through them. And, but then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of Pharisees stood up and insisted that Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve this issue. So it's a governing, navigating, on mission or off mission kind of conversation. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. We read that story about Cornelius, remember? God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he, God, accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit. Just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with the yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were even able to bear? We believe that we are saved the same way. By the undeserved grace or the undeserved gift of the Lord Jesus. What's the undeserved gift that Jesus promised to give us? The Holy Spirit. He goes on to say this in verse 12, and everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done to the men and Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood James is the uh, half-brother of Jesus. James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take them from a people for himself. He goes on to say this in verse 19, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from abstain from sexual immorality, abstain from eating the meat of strangled animals, and abstain from consuming blood. Seems logical. There was this conflict. There were so many that were like, okay, well, the Jews are the chosen people of God. Jesus is the fulfillment to the Messiah uh, for the Jewish people, which means that if we're going to experience the fulfillment of who Jesus says, then people have to become Jews in order to experience that fulfillment. And Paul and Peter and these others stood up and said, no, actually, it's not about them becoming Jewish. It's about us becoming one in Christ. 
they're saved the same way we're saved. Notice they didn't say, actually, he reverses it. Paul, uh, Peter says, we're saved the same way they're saved. Saying, actually, they're kind of the model for how this conversion life and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit works. You don't have to become a, a Jew in an external way. Now, there were some other um, descriptors. There were other, some other things that they wanted them to do. And, and I love the heart of these leaders, these elders, those that were kind of in a position to navigate and lead the church. And they said, instead of creating unnecessary hurdles for people to come to faith, and every man that was a Greek said, hey, man, Instead of having to go through the process of circumcision, how about we not lay a, a burden on them that Jesus isn't asking of us to do? And how about we make sure our hearts are in complete allegiance to Jesus? And instead, let's make sure that our allegiance to Jesus isn't being polluted by the cultural idols by continuing in pagan worship. And so let's live a life of godliness that's being empowered by the Holy Spirit because of our faith in Jesus. I, I love that. But it was the spiritual leaders who helped them to navigate their pursuit towards the way of Jesus. I have been blessed in my life to have spiritual leaders, elders, pastors, people in my life, spiritual fathers and mothers who have helped me navigate how do I contextualize in my life living in love for Jesus? We, we all need those kind of guides in our lives, don't we? People to come alongside us and help us navigate how does it look today in my situation, in my context, how does it look to give full allegiance to Jesus? And this is what they were after. And they didn't want to just create uh, um, Outward behavior modification, they were looking for real internal heart transformation that was done by the life of the Spirit that still had a high standard of morality. But what we begin to see is that they begin to create some distinctions here between what is a biblical command and what is a personal conviction. And when it came to personal convictions, you know what they said? They have the same Holy Spirit we do. Let's let them be led by the Holy Spirit. And when it came to biblical commands, they said, hey, sexual immorality, drinking blood is a pagan worship expression. Let's not do those things. Let's honor God with our whole being. So, so here are the things that are happening in your culture. Let's not keep doing those things that are counter to the way of Jesus. Instead, let's create a formation that helps you follow the ways of Jesus more faithfully. And where there were some distinctions and some differences and some personal things, we're like, ah, no, you don't, you don't have to become a Jew in order to follow Jesus. Can I, can I say this? Today, the Jews don't have to become American in order to be Christian. Africans don't have to become American in order to have a relationship with Jesus. There is a contextual, cultural, honoring way in which they can still live in their culture, follow some customs, walk in celebrations, but still honor Jesus for their saving work of the Spirit in their life. This is what it looks like. And I love that there were a team of leaders who were in various roles throughout this text where James was an elder in the church of Jerusalem. In fact, he was probably, uh, a better term, is the leader, the lead elder in all of the churches in Jerusalem. He was in a place of oversight. Here, I think that's a big part of our structure here at Faith Church. We, we are, as a church, we're structured kind of learning from some of these principles of the radiant church in the book of Acts. We, we're, a, we're a senior pastor-led, elder-supported, staff-and-operated church designed to equip saints to help us grow in ministry, living the ways of Jesus together. There's a, a group of elders that help us navigate the direction and the movement and the financial things and the, the heartbeat of what we're doing as a church. And there are moments where we have those things, but there is 
a, a unique assignment on my life to, to kind of be the, the main navigator in that way. Every voice is important in that room, and we listen and we hear and we seek the Lord together. And there are moments where the Holy Spirit speaks some very clear things to us in the room. And we are humbled in that way to navigate that. Friends, I, I want us to remember structure in a church, whether it's in our church or any other church, the structures are different a lot of times. And different doesn't mean better. It just means different. And at the end of the day, we want to be healthy when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us rather than humans trying to manipulate us. And we don't want to see humans use the Holy Spirit to manipulate either. But there is an understanding to say, God, we want to hear your voice and navigate in a way of obedience. Can I, can I just tell you about your leaders here at Faith Church? We have, we have a really, really strong desire to pray and then just obey what the Spirit is saying to us. And there's a lot of times the human element comes into play where we're like, ah, I'm not really sure what we're supposed to do here. You realize that that happens a lot? When, when Paul and Barnabas, this is later in my notes, but I'm going to hit there now. I don't think it's a note on the screen, so just, just, just relax for a minute. <clears throat> you, you notice it, at the end of Acts 13 that the Holy Spirit didn't tell them where to go first on their missionary journey. He just told them to go. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just gives us a general direction and he expects you to use the brain that God gave you and the reality of the practical reality of your life to make a best decision on how to apply that. And sometimes we get caught up waiting for specifics when God has just given us a direction because he's always looking to partner human element and the Holy Spirit element in all things. Friends, the Radiant Church is a spirit-filled place with much diversity. This is what we see. Acts 13, 52. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Joy. That's that word that clues us in that they're radiant people. That they're the, full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of the Holy Spirit and with joy. And then Acts 14, verse 1 goes on to say, and then the same thing happened in Iconium. That Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both... Jews and Greeks became believers. They had diversity of backgrounds in their midst and they had a diversity of gifts in their midst. Different skills, different abilities, different personalities, different callings, even different assignments on people's lives, but they all called that each of those local congregations. It was their home. It was their church. It was their family. There was a diversity of backgrounds and a diversity of gifts. And I love that in a Holy Spirit-filled space with healthy leaders, the goal in those places is to help equip the gifts that are present in the space, in the family, to cultivate and grow into maturity. This is the assignment. In Romans chapter 12, you see several gifts lifted. I, I, I tend to think of these often as the gifts of the Father. These are innate in every person. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, you see the gifts of Jesus that he's given to local churches, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all for the purpose to equip other believers to do the works of radiant ministry on their assignment as ambassadors as they steward their gifts and their skills in their lives. 1 Corinthians 12, you see a list of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that I think are in operation, can be an operation for any believer who is full of the Holy Spirit at any moment in time. The Holy Spirit recognizes there's a need here. I'm going to bring a gift to the surface to help it be encountered and experienced in this moment. If you've never understood gifts of the Spirit, gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, I encourage you to go back and read those passages. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. And sign up to take Growth Track. Because in step two of Growth Track, we help you discover how God perhaps has hardwired you. Because as pastors, as leaders, our assignment is to help you grow and develop and mature in those giftings and those abilities. This is what we want to help you to do to develop and cultivate this as a family, just like a parent wants to recognize the uniquenesses in their children 
and cultivate those things in them, pointing them on mission in their life to honor God. This is what the family of God, this is what it looks like to be a part of a radiant church. Friends, a diversity of backgrounds and a diversity of gifts is not a problem to solve, but rather an opportunity for discipleship that church leaders get to steward. That there's an understanding that, that when we're in the family of God, there are people in our lives that can look at us and say, hey, have you ever thought about uh, trying this out? Why don't you come and try this? Why don't you serve in this ministry? And in serving, you begin to cultivate an, an awareness of a gifting that you have that you may have never seen before. You, you also can try certain things like you, you, you can teach kids only to realize, yeah, no, you know what, I'm, I don't think teaching is a gift that God has given me and definitely not to kids. I need to find something else. The family of God, the radiant people of God is a place of discovery of what God has put in you as the people of God pull out of you what God placed in you. I'm 41 years old, I think. Yeah. Numbers aren't my gift. I started serving in the family of God around age 8, 9, 10. I haven't stopped. But it was in that environment that leaders, people in the church began to notice a gifting and began to call it out in me. Gave me opportunities to do things and to learn and to experience things and to try things. And it was among the family of God that I actually got to like trial and error, figure out who God had made me to be so I could be a part of the radiant people of God. It was in the family of God that I had leaders teach me how to hear the voice of God in my own life. Friends, the radiant church is spirit-led. Spirit-led. We, we've said it before. How can you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? You read God's word consistently. God will, the Holy Spirit will speak through prophecy, dreams, and visions. The Holy Spirit will give whispers, prompts, and inspired thoughts. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you through wise counsel. Godly counsel. People who love God and love you. I believe the best. This is how you learn to hear the voice of the Lord in your life. God's word. And I would say it's God's word and wise counsel that help you understand the other, couple, the other components of prophecy, dreams, and visions prompts, inspired thoughts, whispers. This is, this is where it is. Friends, the radiant church is led by the Holy Spirit to move forward in holy communion with God and others while growing in a counterformation from the secular world. Paul and Barnabas went about proclaiming Jesus in all these places in their first missionary journey. They were helping to contextualize what it looked like to have allegiance to Jesus in that environment. What does it look like to have allegiance to Jesus as somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we operate in our world system as someone filled with the Holy Spirit? Friends, allegiance to Jesus often is contextualized in each culture. What they did often was they would go and confront the cultural idols in their day and say, hey, you want to follow Jesus and you want to receive eternal life and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and experience this newness? That's fantastic. Uh, but there's some things that are hindering you 
from getting there. And they would spend time patiently helping them understand the idols of their day. The things that as, as people apart from God, now wanting to be with God, how these things were hindering them from growing in God. Friends, this is what the radiant people of God do with each other. Every week, we stand up here and we present who Jesus is. Christ, our King. Be enthroned, be lifted high. We sing it, we read it, we declare it. I, I and others have an opportunity to help present the gospel and the text of scripture in a way that helps you look at it in a mirror and you begin to see wait a second there are things in my life that I love and if I'm going to say yes to Jesus it means saying no to those more often just like when they sent word back to the Greek speaking churches Here's this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing, and quit drinking blood. You don't, the blood of Jesus was enough. You don't have to keep consuming blood to, like, in some ritual. Like, stop that. Friends, this is what we're after. And, and we want to help you learn how to hear the voice of God each and every day because the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, and He wants you to be led by the Spirit. To be a radiant person on mission, on assignment, is going to require you to be led by the Spirit. And when you begin to hear the voice of the Spirit, we have to be willing to acknowledge and renounce everything that siphons our worship and affection away from God. This was the challenge to those churches that Paul and Barnabas took back to them. This was at the center of so much of the New Testament writings from the Apostle Paul. Helping them learn how to be led by the Spirit where they had to be confronted with some priorities in their life. To be shaped into the ways of God. And the people of God were a part of that. What if the Holy Spirit one day asked you to stop playing video games? Would you do it? See, we read about like idols and meat strangled and all these other things. You're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't have that issue. That's cool. Yeah, but, but you have other things. I have other things. If you ask you to stop playing video games, would you do it? If he asked you to limit your streaming services instead of five, what if it was just one? Just one streaming service. Would you do it? The Holy Spirit speaks to you and says stop drinking alcohol stop eating sweets stop chewing tobacco would you do it because these areas of personal conviction often are the things that are in the way of our consecration to jesus if he asks you to fast every wednesday with your pastors from food would you do it If he asks you to stop putting your kids in travel ball because that causes you to miss the gathering of the saints, would you do it? If he asks you to become more generous than you typically are in your systematic giving, would you do it? Anything that we are unwilling to surrender is an indication of an idol. And anything that gets us agitated at leaders who place limits on us indicates what's most valuable to us. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into deeper communion and fellowship with Him because there's an assignment on your life. And we want to become radiant, filled with the life of God as we go about and do that. Amen? Hey, let's stand together. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and just often we get to this moment and we just ask a simple question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Would you whisper that prayer and then pay attention to the thoughts, the prompts, the whispers internally that you feel like you hear? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me?
Jesus, we want to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, there are many things in our lives that often stand in the way of our full devotion to you. Many things not sinful, just distractions. And so, Lord, it's, it's not about trying to prove something to you, but rather listening in our own ears to hear what you're saying to us. And what you're saying to us might be contextually different than what you're saying to someone else. Lord, may we have the humility to celebrate what you're saying to others while being obedient to what you're saying to us. Jesus, make us more like you. We thank you. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, we're going to speak blessing over one another as a family. Um, before that, just remember, we've got prayer team. They'll be available to pray with you right after service. You're walking through anything to lay hands on you, pray with you, whatever. And uh, we've got growth track starting today. You can take some steps to, to discover some things about your own life. You can stop in. It happens during our next service love to help you uh, find out those kind of details let's pray together or let's speak blessing over one another can we do it ready go the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace hey we love you go in god's grace and peace be blessed i really hope today's message was life-giving as a church we want to help you encounter god and take another next step in your allegiance to jesus I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.